Uh, we've been doing um, the You Asked For It series, and we've got a fair amount of questions on the idea of hearing God's voice, this theme of hearing God's voice. Questions range from how do I hear God's voice, very general, uh, to more specific questions, like uh, how do I know what God's voice is when I make decisions? One person asks, how do I know God's voice and what God wants me to do when it comes to choosing who I should marry? Uh, other questions focused on what is, what is understanding and growing and developing in hearing God's voice in relationship to the gifts of the Spirit. So we know many of the gifts of the Spirit involve hearing from the Lord and uh, following the promptings of God, and prophetic words and words of wisdom and knowledge and those kinds of things. People are wanting to know what, what does it mean to have the gifts of discernment and, uh, and having God speak to me. And uh, lots of really good questions. And obviously, uh, that's something we should probably pay attention to. And so one of the things we're doing is we're looking at all the questions that have come in, say, okay, are there some bigger themes that surface? And this is one of them. And so uh, we're going to look at this uh, this morning, and it's, it's a, a foundational thought on our theology. And when I say our theology, I say our, our church theology of doctrine and where we, where we would position ourselves when it comes to hearing God's voice is we believe and teach what is known as a, a continuous position. And we hold firmly to the belief that the gifts, the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit are active in the body of Christ today. We hold firmly to the belief that God speaks to his children today as Christians and as believers, that the Holy Spirit continues on a daily basis to reveal himself and speak to us and guide us. This is part of the continuation of the outpouring of God's Spirit and the movement and the ministry of God's Spirit in the church. So in contrast to that is what's known as a cessationist view. And this holds that the gifts of the Spirit were only intended for the apostles and the beginning of the early church to actually get the early church launched. And the, the ministry gifts of the, of the Holy Spirit, and even uh, the Holy Spirit actively, dynamically, walking, teaching, revealing, guiding, leading us, uh, speaking to us, those things ceased with the early church. And now we're in what is known as that, that Word of God era. We're not in the Holy Spirit era. We're in the Word of God era. And everything that God would want to say to us and speak to us and lead us in and guide us in is found uh, specifically and only in His Word. And we would uh, refute cessationism and teach that the Holy Spirit is active in both the life of the corporate church and the lives of individual believers. Now, we would nowhere say that that replaces God's word, it's subject to God's word, it fits under God's word, God's word is used as a, a mantle and a direction over us, but we do believe that the Holy Spirit is active, both in the life of the church, through gifts of the Spirit, and in the ministry of the church, and also as, as individual people who are born again and have an encounter with God, who believe in God, that Jesus is active in your life in the Holy Spirit. And he can speak to you, he can whisper to your heart, he can guide you, he can lead you. And this is a big part of what we would believe. And so we're going to take a look at some of this idea of how we can learn to hear maybe a little better, how we can learn to uh, maybe kind of realign ourselves to hear God. And we're going to read from uh, chapter, uh, John chapter 10, verse 11. And this is Jesus. Jesus says this, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. 
The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. So we're going to look at this and draw out a few things about knowing God's voice. And we have this picture of the sheep and the shepherd and the sheep knowing the shepherd's voice. And the first thing that I really see in this, and one of the things that I think is so essential to learning to hear from God is to hold on to this belief that Jesus is good. John 10, 11, it, Jesus says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. John 10, 14 I am the good shepherd. So Jesus makes a point. He says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not just like all the other shepherds. I'm not like all the other hired hands. He, he differentiates himself. He says, I'm the good shepherd. And of course, that means he's going to lay down his life. He's going he's to really uh, pay the price. He's going to not let go. He's going to hold on to these sheep. He's going to do whatever it takes to maintain the protection and the vitality and the life of the sheep. And he separates himself. He says, the other, the other shepherds are not going to be like that. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm good. And one of the best ways we can learn to listen to Jesus is to trust he's good. The picture that you and I have uh, of God, it shapes our ability to hear from him. Especially in our real life experiences today where we have absent fathers we have distant fathers. We have fathers who do not model uh, strength uh, uh, and graciousness and patience and that kind of love. And um, we have a, a skewed sense and understanding many times of even what a father's love would be. And it's hard for us to understand and connect with God as father and to know that that actually refers to some wonderful, wonderful characteristics. And there's this idea that Jesus is good. Jesus is good and his love is greater than his judgment. Psalm 145, 8, 9 says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion and all he has made. The more we hold on to the belief that God is disappointed in us, the more we will let distance and shame define our spirituality. God knows all of your imperfections. He knows all your hang-ups. And he not only does he still love you, but he actually takes delight in you. We see in Scripture that Jesus takes delight in us. It's a great picture. It's a great um, thing to meditate on and think about. You know, God does not let your mistakes and your, and your failures define your worth to him. Your value to him is not defined by your mess-ups. Your value to him is defined by something entirely different. In fact, the gospel tells us that we are bought with a price and that he doesn't give up on us. And we so often, even though we know it doctrinally, so many of us have heard it and we know it, that God, he doesn't give up and he's always there and he's always going to forgive. And We still somehow start to believe that we're the one exception to that. We somehow think that we're more special in the shame and the bad department than everybody else. And we're pretty sure that, that there actually is a limit to God's patience and those kinds of things. And, and, and he's going he's gonna to smite us off the face of the earth. Um, in, in the Genesis narrative of the fall, there's this, this picture of Adam and Eve 
when they sin. And we see God coming to look for them. And he comes and he calls out their name. And what we see Adam and Eve do is very interesting. There's so much theology in the early chapters of Genesis. What we see Adam and Eve do is run off and hide in the bushes and cower down and are quiet. You know, I think he's coming. He might have heard us. (sighs) You're naked. Look at you. Cover up. And And they're ashamed. And they let their shame overtake them. And they let the failure and the mistake define them. And what it ends up doing is it ends up gripping their life so much that they want to run and hide in the bushes so that God doesn't find them. Our natural reaction is to hide from God. I would say that we spend way too much time hiding behind the bush, hoping God won't find us because we're pretty sure he's mad at us. And if you think God is angry and disappointed in you, it will keep you on the outer fringes of his presence. And instead of coming and running to him when you begin to hear his voice, you will actually want to push off out into the outer edges because you're not sure what you're going to find in that voice. You're not sure what's going to happen when he actually does come and and, 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 and is in, in your presence and when you're in his presence. You don't know what's going to happen. And so you feel, and it's like that, whether it's a spiritual attack or it's our own psychology and how we think and and how the power of shame gets in our life, but it pushes us to the outer margins of God and his presence and of his voice. And somehow shame and failure ends up in our life kind of like if you've ever tried to, to mix oil and water together and they just totally separate. And that's kind of, that's what happens in our life, in our heart, in our spirit, when that begins to surface, is it kind of pushes out God's voice to the, to the outer edges and the outer margins. God is calling and looking for us so he can restore us and forgive us, so he can clothe us in his righteousness. God is not calling you because he wants to scold you. When God comes looking for Adam and Eve, he wants to cover them. He wants to forgive them. He wants to restore them. He wants to help them. He wants to strengthen them. And when God comes looking for us, that's what he wants to do. God is not calling us because he wants to scold us. He wants to cover us. And if we understand that God is good, that he's gracious and he's compassionate, you'll know that God is safe. And if you know that God is safe, you won't run from him and you won't hide from him, but you will be drawn to him. You will come to him when you hear his voice and when you hear him calling. Every person that I know, every single person that I know that has ever developed a listening ear to God has this one thing in common. They know and they believe at the core of their being that Jesus is good. And they know that the best place to be found is always in his presence, always to go to him when he calls, and not to go and run and hide in the bushes in the outer fringes. And people who learn to develop a listening ear and to hear Jesus hold on to this core belief right in their innermost being that they know that they know that they know that Jesus is good. 
He is good. He is safe. He is the good shepherd. He is different than everyone and everything else. And we hold on to that belief, and what it does is it pulls us in. It pulls us in to hear his voice. The other thing I see is that there's no substitute for relationship. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd. It says, I know my sheep. My sheep know me. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. It would appear the ability to hear God's voice is directly linked to our relationship and our connection with him. God's voice is revealed in the context of the sheep-shepherd relationship. The sheep that are with the shepherd know his voice. He leads them. Could it be, could it be that the reason we so often struggle to hear God's voice is because we don't want to live under the care and leadership of the good shepherd? How many times would we rather go off on our own, explore outside the good shepherd's pasture? Maybe we saw a little opening in the fence and we realized we could squeeze through and when nobody was looking, our little four sheep lamb legs took us out through the grass, over the stream, over the rocks, out into that outer edge, away from where the shepherd's call can be heard away from where the shepherd's care is. The more time we spend outside the shepherd's call, the harder it is to hear and recognize his voice. It's not so clear anymore. There are so many other voices calling us and telling us where to go and what to do, and Jesus' voice gets lost in the mix. Sociologists tell us they, they call this digital noise. There's so much digital noise in our culture. There's this nonstop chatter. And the further we get from God's presence, the more we want to go out and explore on our own and get away from that care of the good shepherd, the more we begin to hear all of these other voices and all these other things. And, and soon, that voice of the shepherd that is calling us becomes drowned out and lost. And scripture is clear that the sheep that are in relationship with Jesus know his voice and he leads them. It's actually the way it works. It's the way it's designed. The way we're created to hear God's voice in our life is to be in relationship with Jesus, that he is our shepherd and we are a sheep. And if you find it's a struggle to hear God's voice, to um, find the good shepherd. If you find that it's a struggle, we, we have to find ways to find him as a good shepherd and stick close to him until we can recognize his voice again. Sometimes that means proactively shutting off some of the digital noise and shutting off some of the outside voices and the things that are coming at us and just kind of soloing in and figuring in and focusing in on the shepherd. And it's like you've got to stick close to the shepherd Stick close to him, and you'll receive something from him. Jesus will spill over into your life when you're close to him. You'll receive things from him. Another thing we see is that hearing from God is a learned skill. Hebrews 5, 11, 14 says this. We have much to say, and it's hard to explain. Okay, check this out. It says this, since you have become dull of hearing. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, 
You have need again of someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You, uh, you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. And it says this, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. The ability to hear from God and to discern between good and evil and the leading of the Holy Spirit is part of spiritual maturity. It's part of growing in Jesus. It's part of learning and growing. It says, because of practice, their senses have been trained to discern, to hear. That means there's no shortcuts. That means it actually is something we work at, we're disciplined at, we, we try and we focus on. Last summer, I had to rebuild my retaining wall. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I like to drink coffee and look at Facebook all day. And uh, I needed to save some money, so I thought, well, I'm going to help, and uh, I'm going to do some of the work. And, you know, I laid drain pipe and shoveled rock, and I had this big, giant, huge, this, I don't know, it's like 60 feet long or more, and uh, I don't know, it, it was deep, like I was in the trench, and if it collapsed, they would have had to dig me out with, uh, you know, cranes and stuff, and I, I just, I thought, well, I'm going to get in there, I'm going to do it. And so I laid down the drain pipe and I, I, I shoveled in crush and rock over top and, you know, did it all right with the guys. And then we put in the, we put in the dirt. And when you put, put in the dirt, you got to do it in layers and you have to pack it down. And it's, it's the proper way to do it. And it was a little bit tight to get the real packer that you could just go and walk in there with the big flat bottom. And I had to get what's known as the jumping jack from Wynn Rentals. It is a tool of Satan. <laughs> This thing is, it's this big, massive motor with mechanisms that do this and, and handles, and, and the, it's got this big foot, and it just goes, doing, 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 and you have to hold on to this thing, and, and you know, and, and I had to go back and forth in this trench, and, hold, and I'm, did I mention I'm a pastor, and I drink coffee, and I'm on Facebook all day? Ah. <laughs> I did not know what I was doing, and these guys laughed and laughed and laughed at me. And I was like, no, I can do it, I can do it. And you know what? It was hard work, but it wasn't that bad. It, it actually, in the end, I did it. It, it, wasn't, that, it wasn't that bad, you know. Uh, it took me about a week before I could see without the, like, you know, I had to move my head like this every time I was reading something. And I, actually, I thought, you know what? I can do this. I'm, I'm pretty tough. You know, these guys, they make fun of me, but I can do it. Until later that night when I actually just stopped and I sat down. And then I had to get out of my chair again. And I walked like this. And I couldn't, I couldn't straighten. I, everything hurt. Everything was sore. I had muscles in my back. And I hate to say it, my buttocks that I didn't know were there. I had never used them before. I was like, where did you come from? And I suffered. The other guys, it was just another day at the office for them. It was like nothing. But I'm soft. And, um, and I found muscles that I didn't know were there. And it is so true that until we begin, to, the, you, the only way to build up strength in those muscles is to use them. 
They'll sit there and be, those, my buttock muscles were useless until I started to use them. And it is the same when it comes to our spiritual senses. They're there. We're created with them. They're, they're a part of us. They're a part of how God designed us. But if we don't use them, if we don't tap into them, if we don't begin to exercise them and practice them and step out in faith, they're just going to be mute and flat and they're not going to do anything for us. And what Scripture actually says is that means that you're going to be dull of hearing and you're not going to be spiritually mature. You're going to stay on milk. But there's somehow there's a transformation. It's not done with a finger pointed. It's not done as an accusation. It's not done under condemnation. It's just done this way. It's just that when you become spiritually mature, you will begin to discern. You will begin to hear. You will begin to know. And you learn it from practicing it and from doing it. You practice and you have your senses trained. That is the only way that we begin to hear from the Lord is when we're courageous enough to step out and to begin to respond to him and follow him in his promptings. And if we mute that and we shut that off and we don't tap into it, we're just going to be a weak, soft pastor all the rest of our life. Discernment is something that we keep working at. The last thing I want to I want to look at is this idea that hearing from God can be a spiritual gift. We're not going to read all of the passage of verses, but in 1 Corinthians 12, especially in 7 to 11, it does speak of multiple gifts that involve hearing from God. Prophecy and interpretation of spoken words and, and tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, the gift of discernment, of discerning spirits and right and wrong. These gifts are all, they all involve hearing something specific from the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are given to the church for building up and strengthening the body of Christ. That's why we have these words. That's why we have these revelations. They're given so that the church can receive life from Jesus. They're actually given to the church so the church can experience and know that Jesus is good. That he's the good shepherd. Spiritual gifts that share revelations and words from God should encourage and equip the church. They should not tear the church down. And there's something very interesting about spiritual gifts. It would appear that spiritual gifts are granted by the Holy Spirit to the individual. So the individual receives gifts of the Spirit. Now, we, we're uncertain that every spiritual gift is like it's, it's um, something that you have and you walk in and it's, it's more like an office or an appointment and it's something that God gave you and it's what you, it's what you are and it's, it's kind of your identity and your role. Or if it can also be you know, maybe more isolated or, or kind of one-off experiences and there's different times where you may receive something and flow in a gift that is not always present or not always active. Other times we can receive a gift and it is, it's a part of who we are. It's something we walk in and we're active in all the time. And so I think it can be both and. It doesn't have to be either or. But we have this idea that gifts are granted to the individuals. But the context of Scripture is always that the gifts that the individuals receive is for the common good of the whole church, of the whole body. And gifts are never taught 
to be received and administered and to be done and performed and to be exercised outside of connection and relationship to one another. And one of the things that I've seen as a pastor over my, over my years of pastoring, and it's something, it's, it's one of my own kind of checks. It's one of the things that I use personally is I have seen people who have been very, very spiritual, highly spiritual. In fact, sometimes they just, they really, they might hear from God or they may be used in great works of faith and, 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 and yet there's a disconnect in their lives from the body of Christ. And in fact, sometimes they would believe that they're, more, that they're so spiritual that they're above and beyond the body of Christ. And they can't fit in. And they just, oh, they've just, it's like they've washed their hands of the body of Christ and of the church because they, they've got it more real and more right. And I would say be very wary of someone who hears from God and is so actively gifted in the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is actually intended to build up and encourage and equip the saints and build up the church and they can't live in relationship with the church. And so if you feel like you're stirred in your heart, and maybe, maybe because there were some questions that came in, maybe some of you are thinking, I wonder if I have that gift. I wonder if I have that gift of discernment. I wonder if I have that gift, and God begins to speak to me, and I see things, and I see pictures, and is that from God? And is that, I would say this, begin to walk it out. Begin to use those muscles. Take baby steps and just begin to do it. And my advice to you is always, always, always keep it encouraging and keep it life-giving and model the good shepherd. He's good. And bring life to other people. And I would say especially that if, if you're beginning to walk that out and you know what, God, God is not going to use you to send a strong rebuke to somebody. I don't think that's how God is going to begin to use you in the gifts of the Spirit. And I think there's times and there's, some of those things can be very appropriate but in context, and I think especially in relationship. We always see gifts of the Spirit connected and lived out in relationship to one another. They're not just given to the person to go willy-nilly through their life wherever they want and, and, do, and, and uh, exercise those gifts however they want. They're always in context of building up and strengthening the church. And so I would say this. If you want to grow in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The more you are captured by God's heart for the church, the more you are infused with God's love for the bride of Christ, the easier it will be to be found in a place where you can hear God and you can be more in tune with him. Because he has a heart for us. He has a heart for the church. We are his bride. He has not given up on us. Are we perfect? Absolutely not. Do we have lots of work? Absolutely. Has he given up on us? No. He has a heart for the bride of Christ. And the more you are filled with a relationship connection with other believers, and the more you take on a heart for the church and for the bride of Christ, the easier and more in a place, the more closer in position you will be to hear and receive from the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to get the team to come. We're going to get ready to close. Um, thanks for listening to this. Lots of, lots of stuff to go through when it comes to the voice of God, especially in the overlap between our personal lives and hearing from Jesus and then also walking in ministry of the, of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. 
Um, in the beginning, in the beginning of my talk, I mentioned the scriptures in John chapter 10 that mention Jesus as the good shepherd and the sheep that know his voice and follow him. And it would appear to me that the scriptural model is this. The scriptural model is that the normal way we hear God's voice is to be in relationship with him. In fact, it's the normal way, and I even hate to use the word normal, but you'll understand what I mean. The, the more normal context for us as believers is to be in a place where he's our shepherd, we're his sheep, and we know and recognize his voice. And that's just the way that we're created to be. But there are times when God's voice and his leadership and his guidance and even his presence in our life can become distant, quiet. It can become muted. It can become a mystery. And there are times where, God, where are you? What is going on? Even well-regarded biblical characters like King David went through times where they had to search for God's voice. <laughs> times it feels dry and God's voice is distant and hard to find. And we have to trust that he's there. And we don't rely so much on all of the experience and all of the feelings, but we just, we just keep putting one foot in front of the other and we're just trusting God that you're there, you're out there, you're with me, I'm going to keep doing it, I'm going to walk by faith because you don't have that encounter, you don't have that experience and he does seem far from you. And we know those things and we call those, we call those desert, desert times, desert moments. We see it in scripture, it's a metaphor from scripture. And desert times are not all bad. Desert times can make us take inventory of our life. Desert times can make us really search for God. They can make us realign and reevaluate our priorities and what our life is about, what's important to us, what our motives are, examine our heart. Those are all things that we go through. We filter through those things in desert times. But I've been thinking about this all week and I've been gripped by this thought all week. And if you hear anything today, this is it. The desert is not your home. You think about that. The desert is not your home. The desert is something that you pass through from one place to another. Something God is doing. Something God is stirring you. And something, I don't know what God is doing or how. The desert is never our home. The desert is something we're going through. We get through it. And I don't know how to say it any other way than this, but some of you have been in the desert so long. Some of you have put up your tent and you decided to stop packing it up the next day and keep walking and setting up camp, packing up the next day and keep going. And you just, somewhere along the way, you've been going through the desert and you just stopped. And you said, that's it. This is where I am. And you just started to make do and make things better where you are. Because it seems so hard to pack up that tent and pack up that camp one more time and keep walking again. The desert is not 
your home. It's time for us to get out and find something to drink, to drink from Jesus, to drink from the living water. We're called to be people of God. We're called to be people of His Spirit. The voice and the presence of Jesus should not be a permanent mystery. We should know that we know that we know that He is good. We should know His voice. I think that's the way Jesus created. That's the way He set it up to be. That's what He's teaching us in the model of the Good Shepherd. He didn't say, go off on your own, out in the desert somewhere far away where you can't hear me. He said, I'm the good shepherd. Stick close to me. Hear my voice. Know me. That's where we live. I cannot say it enough. We do not live in the desert. We live in the care and the protection of the good shepherd. And I think... In my heart, I felt stirred as a, as a pastor of, of the church who has to ultimately hear from the Lord and bring guidance. And we have you for a short time window every week. It's to say the desert's not your home. It's time to get out. And the shepherd is calling. I wonder this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different just as we close. Uh, I wonder how many here would say that they know they've been in a, they've been going through a desert experience and it's been a struggle to hear God's voice and to respond to his presence and understand and experience his presence. And you've kind of just been going by faith as best you can. And you would say today, want the good shepherd to whisper into my heart again. I don't think there's shame of being in the desert. I think there's things we learn as we go through it. It's just not our home. And could it be that the good shepherd is calling you? How many in our church would say this morning, I don't want to be in the desert. I want to be with the good shepherd. And so we're going to do it this way this morning. If that's you, I want you to, I want you to stand. We're going to pray for you. We won't call you front to the front, but uh, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it with every head up and every eye open this morning you would say that I want to hear the voice of the good shepherd clearly and I want to get out of the desert and you just stand and we're going to pray for you
Jesus, I thank you for these hearts. I pray, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us. Father, I pray for our church. Jesus, we need to hear your voice. Help us to be people of the Spirit. Help us to be people that know you and walk with you. of us that have been in the desert. I pray that, Lord, you would help us. Help us to hear you. Help us to find you. In fact, Jesus, we see in Scripture that you're such a good shepherd that you would say there are others out there. And you will leave and you will go and find. And Jesus, would you come and find us? your voice has been far would you come and find us and would you lead us back Lord help us to rediscover that you're the good shepherd I pray that you'll give us the courage to pack up our camp and our tent one more time and to keep going and Lord to keep walking towards you and walking towards your voice And Jesus, we pray this for our church, for our community, for every person that's here, for every home that's represented. Lord, would you be our good shepherd and could we hear you and know your voice? Would you reveal yourself to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Thank you. We are the church with the hardest location to find and the worst parking and the worst aisles.